Welcome once again to another episode of Demand Gen Radio, the one program that brings you all the latest methods and technologies for driving growth and increasing demand. With the voice of Demand Gen, David Lewis. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Demand Gen Radio. This is your host, Dave Lewis, and here is where we talk about the methods and technologies for driving growth. And all this summer and heading into the end of the year, I keep having on the program exceptional marketing leaders, everything from CMOs, VPs of marketing, heads of marketing operations and demand generation for you at all stages of their careers so that you can hear some of their lessons. And I'm very excited to be joined by someone who, I'm gonna tell the backstory, but someone who I have known for a decade now, and that is Letitia Rodley. Letitia, good morning, how are you? Hey Dave, super excited to be here. She made me promise that this wasn't on video. It's a podcast, so it's not on video, although some people are doing video. But let me tell you, she's she's branded today. She's got her cup of Starbucks coffee. <laughs> I'm branded today. I don't have Starbucks, but I have my Demand Genius coffee mug um, that nobody can see. You know what, if somebody's listening and, and you're in America, and you want a demand genius, it's very clever branding. See that demand gen, I-U-S, and you want a coffee mug, send me a note on LinkedIn. The first person, because I just don't want to mail out a whole bunch of them, that sends me a note. I, I want a you. demand genius coffee you mug. You want a demand genius coffee yeah, mug? All I right, do. I'll mail it to you. Leticia <laughs> lives pretty nearby, relatively nearby. We live in the 680 corridor. She lives in Livermore, where my daughter lives as well. And uh, I'm over in Danville, our office in San Ramon. But you guys didn't tune in to hear that. What you did want to hear is a pretty interesting backstory, I think, because uh, for those of you who don't know, the mission of our company from the very first is to make marketing heroes. And Leticia, I hope that in our time together, you have certainly felt like a hero and we'll hopefully talk about that. But when we first met, you were at Juniper and you were head of America's marketing or a manager of America's marketing. We got together down there and I'm like, this person is really smart and really talented and knows her shit. Uh, but I do not want to work with their company. Do you remember that? Yep. Yep. And that was kind of, um, you know, in a pr- very, very professional way, that was what made me determined that I had little hearts coming out of my eyes for you because I really respected the fact that you said, you know, you absolutely have an opportunity here, not Letitia, but Juniper, but you're, you guys are just not ready. And if I come in, I will, you know, potentially be set up for failure. You will experience failure. You guys are just not ready to have um, our organization come in yet. And I really respected that. So stuck you in the back pocket. Juniper went on and moved forward with what we were doing, but, you know, circled back with you, which turned out to be, you know, the trajectory of our story that we're going to be discussing here today. Um, But yeah, that was, uh, that was the, the impetus of our relationship. It was it was weird because um, you get attached to someone and you feel like, you know, I really want to work with that person. And but let's face it, you have to be in the right environment. Great lesson for everybody today. Like you have to be in the right environment with the right leadership, the right technology. Uh, and it just it didn't feel right. And it, yeah, it could have been a great engagement in terms of like maybe lots of projects and financially for us. But if we couldn't make an impact personally for you and the team. And to this day, Letitia, do you know that we've never worked with them? And I don't know if Michael, their CMO is listening or Omar, I don't know if those guys tune into the podcast, but I have reached out to them over the past year to check in and see how they are doing. Uh, you may may or not know this, they're still 
running Eloqua down there. So they're kind of one of the diehards that's still on the platform. So I was checking in and I can't say those conversations went anywhere. So yeah. you know, I, I guess I got what I asked for is that we, we've not been able to help uh, Juniper grow and, and uh, you know, maybe at some point, but don't know. However, as the story moves forward, like I really want to work with her. She's smart. She's driven. Uh, and we were at Sears Decisions years later. So to kind of put things in perspective, I think uh, Juniper was around like 2009, 2010. I started Demand Gen in 2007, so about three years into the business. And then uh, fast forward, you are at Jaspersoft, and it's yeah. 2011 now. And we did, uh, kudos to marketing. We did something pretty clever. You know, instead of just sponsoring the conference and, you know, paying uh, <laughs> a lot of money to be a sponsor and have an event, we just, uh, marketing called the hotel and they said, hey, we'd like to have a little reception later in your outside pavilion by the pool. Can we do that? And the hotel said, yes. And so, as you know, we set up shop there and you were outside. I even brought my iPhone, I remember, with uh, some mixes. Cause yep, yep, because you know, you're DJing for Jazzy, uh, Jazzy yeah. Dave. <laughs> and, and I plugged that in and you were sitting there and, and we were catching up. And uh, Jim Bell was there. And if you yeah. guys haven't listened to the episode with Jim Bell that I did recently, I highly recommend that you do that. I'll, I'll pull up the episode number as we're, as we're talking. And so Letitia and Jim are working together. And Jim's running marketing. Letitia is on his team. And you said something to me, if you remember, something was going on there at the conference. And, and that was the impetus for us, us working yeah. together. Yeah. So Jim, uh, Jim's an amazing leader. I learned so much from him and really, really value my time at Jaspersoft. And so Jim and I had attended um, Sirius. And when we were sitting in the audience, um, Concur had won the ROI award. And I leaned over to Jim and was like, this could be us. We could totally do this. And Jim agreed. And so we kind of started brainstorming. We, we stalked the Concur. I wish I could remember his name. But the gentleman who was the CMO of Concur at the time, we stalked him. We ran after him. And we said, hey, what'd you do and how'd you do it? And he said, we worked with Demandian. We worked with Dave Lewis. And, you know, in addition to a lot of other, um, you know, things that they had done. So then we said, okay, well, Dave's having a party tonight. So we need to make sure we go to that party, went to the party, connected with you. And uh, I'll let you take it from there. Well, that, that that's cool. I mean, it just, when you, when you, I mean, for all of us who think about event marketing and think about um, target account marketing outreach, like you were in my target account, right? Those are like, I want to work target individual. I want to work with. Letitia and Jim and I had worked together. Well, the companies had worked together when he was at, oh God, something cloud, Elastic Cloud. Oh, I think yeah. the company. And so we did like some of the very first lead scoring. So, you know, we had some trust together. We had experience together uh, and it was really cool. And you guys, um, if you guys want to know how the story unfolds, there was a whole series in, in, uh, of years. So uh, the very first client of ours to win this very prestigious Sirius Award was Taleo. They were later acquired by Oracle. Uh, as you heard, Concur was up there with Greg Forrest and Melton Littlepage, both who have been on the podcast. Uh, they won. And then that was the year that they won that Letitia, you saw it. And then you guys won it. And there's something really very, very special about you winning that award because really prior to that, it had only been awarded to enterprise class companies, really, really big companies that had gone through 
massive transformation. And I wouldn't say little old Jaspersoft. I mean, you guys were doing well and growing, but I think you were like 150 employees or yeah, yeah. a million in revenue, something like Barely, that. Barely, yeah. Just just under that. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, that, was, that was an amazing opportunity for us. It really um, cemented our partnership with you. And uh, it just goes to show you how small this industry is because the VP of marketing at the time for Taleo when they won was um, Doug Sechrist, who I went mm-hmm. to go work for because Doug is also just a rock star as a yeah. marketing leader, an operations genius. So um, that came about from serious decisions. I met Doug and was like, hey, dude, I want to party with you. So next <laughs> time you get an opportunity, let me know. So Doug and I got the opportunity to work together as well. So yeah, yeah Serious Decisions was a great, um, I've learned a lot through that organization. I learned a lot through that process and working with you and your team. There's best practices that I took away from that that I use to this day. And uh, I'm looking forward to being able to work with you again. Cool. Well, someday we will. Well, I, you know, this is kind of like uh time travel right now because by the time you guys listen to this podcast i'm gonna hold it until leticia lands she's right in making a transition we were talking about it before the podcast and so uh, i do encourage you guys always to connect with my guests so pull up linkedin search for leticia rodley r-o-d-l-e-y mm-hmm. and make sure you connect and you know what you're gonna find out where where she's landing and what i asked her to do because uh, there's so much stuff that we can talk about. But one of the things that Leticia's really good at is taking a company that really hasn't had a very strong marketing department, discipline, or if they had marketing, it was kind of more old school marketing, not so focused on demand generation and driving revenue. I said, why don't we talk about your lessons on some of the things that that you have intentionally done to scale up a marketing department, because I imagine there are other people like you out there in the demand gen radio community that would love to take your ideas and say, okay, how do I scale this thing up? I'm in a relatively newer environment or smaller company or less marketing centric. And we all know my, my prediction, I don't know what year it's going to be, Leticia, a one day in the future. And many cases we're there in some companies, marketing will be the main driver of revenue, the main driver of revenue. And it's not at a lot of places as we know, but that will be we'll look back and go, do you remember when marketing was kind of like all, called the arts and crafts department and, and branding, right? It's going to change. I so, think even, you know, I think even with this pandemic, it's, you know, if you think about the role, you know, I don't want to slight my partners on the sales side at all, but if you think about the role that sales played um, in regards to engaging with the customer and that very, you know, hands-on at the site, on a plane, all the time, got to be there, got to close the deal, how that's shifted a bit to being virtual now. It's really, to your point, David, it's um, it's kind of taken away, I don't know, this is just an observation. It feels like there's more of an opportunity to kind of, you know, there's, there's more opportunity for marketing to engage deeper with the customers yeah. than they have historically because we relied on the sales team to do that. But now with the, you know, the shift to Zoom or to whatever platform you're working on to have that virtual engagement, there's been more pressure on marketing to ensure that that engagement is optimum and it's target and it's focused and, you know, kind of pick up where sales isn't able to from a personal perspective. Yeah, I I agree. We all play a role in driving growth and driving revenue. It's just that uh, ever since the 1990s with the advent of the web, 
it's been shifting to where marketing can 24-7 engage with people and facilitate education about solutions and and help with the buying process. But even just the other day, I I bought my mom a car, Leticia, and she's 84 years old. So I didn't want her to have to go to a dealership and, you know, deal with everything that you do. And and in many cases, you don't have to today. So I went and bought her a Ford Escape up in Walnut Creek. And then I, I did what a lot of people do. I made a considered purchase, but I started off by going to the web and I typed um, transporting car from Bay Area to Los Angeles. And lo and behold, car company comes up and I start reading their Yelp reviews and going through the process. Uh, And then I was like, I have questions. Like, I want to know, is this car going to be on like an open carrier or inside? Because they had a couple of different offerings. And I talked to their quote salesperson. Turned off, I think he's the owner of the car company. I don't know, or the manager. So I did have to talk to someone Mm -hmm. to answer some of my questions and and solidify a few things uh, because I wanted, you know, that when they dropped it off, are they going to, you know, put it in a parking lot or can they take it right to my mom's house? Just questions that I had that weren't answered on the web. And, you know, it was really cool is that after I contracted them and the car was brought down and the service was amazing, they did automation. So I got a email that said, you know, how was our service? And I sent that and then got a note back because I, I listed it the service was five star and I did a Yelp review and I got a note back from the owner uh, or this manager, um, you know, thanking me so much. So like if small companies like that can do it all right, really right, then we all should be making sure that Absolutely. we are doing from click to close and close one doesn't equal close done, like still stage. And, and he sent in the note, he said, by the way, um, if you ever purchase another car and use this again, we offer a discount for existing clients. Uh, and so like he's got his upsell there and yeah. it was very cool to see him doing all of, all of it right. So shout and out it to was completely integrated and it was yeah. seamless to you, which is the objective, oh. right? Yep. So what do you do? You're going okay. to this new company. You're there now. And, yeah. and what, what's, what's chapter one of Letitia's playbook for scaling up marketing? So, you know, Actually, um, can, we, can I ask you a question before that? I'm going to throw you off, but probably not. What are you looking for? Like we talked about Juniper and you now have this experience of looking for certain environments. So what is it that you vet that you might share with someone to make sure they're at least going into an environment where they are set up for success? Um, So taking a step a little further back. So now I'm not in the organization and I'm looking at the organization. Yeah, um, exactly. Absolutely. You want to ensure that, and this is actually the first bullet, um, it, it, it supports the first bullet. So you want to ensure that the CEO not only values marketing, but they have some understanding of marketing. So what I mean by that is we don't need them to understand the nuts and bolts and, you know, should I do Pardot versus Marketo? Or we don't need to understand at that level, but we do need them to understand the value that the metrics and the performance can bring, then the insights can bring and have a respect for that. Because if you're a CEO who doesn't at a minimum understand that, then you can really lead the company in directions that are led by bright, shiny lights. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's very interesting. It's very kind of easy to get seduced by, you know, I want my brand to be, you know, on the the cover of this um, website, or I want I want to have the biggest event, the biggest sponsorship at this event, or I want to have you know the biggest party at um, you know at 
I'm thinking of like JP Morgan. So that's a mm-hmm. event that we do in healthcare. You know, mm-hmm. those are not the things that are necessarily going to give you a strong return on investment. And you could spend a lot of time struggling with your leadership team if you all aren't on the same page in regards to what the value is. So I would propose that. The other thing, and this kind of leads into my five points I wanted to make today, was always understand and meet with the leader of sales to ensure that they have a respect and value marketing and that you're truly going to be engaged in a partnership. Because if you get into an organization where the sales leader does not understand and value the role that marketing plays, you're not going to have a solid partnership and you're really going to be set up to fail. So Mm -hmm. within an organization, it is not 100% marketing driven. It is not 100% sales driven. It is a partnership. It may be weighted differently. I've been in organizations where it was heavily driven by sales and the role for marketing was really to wrap their arms around the customer and create that experience, do land and expand, do ABM. I've also been in environments where it was 90% marketing driven and the sales team was super reliant on what marketing was delivering. But Mm -hmm. you have to understand what that balance is and that relationship is and ensure that there's a mutual respect there. And I will propose, or not propose, I will share that what made one of the things, the key contributors to our success uh, for serious decisions was that we had an amazing partnership with the sales team. So it was Clive, um, oh my gosh, I can't remember. I can't believe, I can't remember his last name. He's gonna kill me, Clive. I don't remember Clive's last name, but I oh, Harrison, Clive Harrison was the leader of global sales at Jaspersoft at the time. And we had a great partnership. And so I definitely want to, um, you know, I've got experience working with sales leaders that are not committed to marketing. And I've got experience working with sales leaders who are absolutely committed. And I will share that at the team with the sales leader who was committed, we won a serious award and we yeah. worked with Demandgen. So, so that would right. be number one. Uh, number two is, so you've gone in, you've ensured you've got, or number one is you've ensured that you've got sales and marketing alignment. Mm-hmm. You need to um, make sure that you guys are clear about what the business goals are. How are you going to meet those goals? Let's agree on our targets. Let's agree on who owns what, what percentage is marketing gonna drive? All this can be quantified. Um, and qualified. What percentage is marketing going to drive and what percentage is sales going to drive? So, you know, from a a quantified perspective, it's like, okay, here's the SLAs between our organization. From a um, qualified perspective, it's like, all right, this is specifically what we're going to drive. The next thing is um, you need a kick butt website. You've got to have a demand optimized website. And so, you know, that kind of lends to I've, re- I've worked with a lot of different marketing automation platforms. I'm really partial. I, I, I got to say, most recently, I switched to HubSpot and I loved it. I love their web platform. I love the dashboards that they have. I love their ability to track and metric everything. I love how integrated they are. So this is an unsolicited shout out to HubSpot, but I love HubSpot. Um, but I will make have- sure that, that Nick over there, my buddy, who is the general manager for the HubSpot uh, marketing tool set, make sure that he knows that you gave that shout out. Mm-hmm. And I've been doing something, Leticia, let's let you keep going. But I've been doing this um, A versus B uh, posts on LinkedIn. I don't know if you've noticed those. But and in fact, if any of you haven't, uh, go to my LinkedIn profile, look at some of my recent posts. So I did like Eloqua versus Marketo. And I did Pardot versus Marketo. And I'm just about to do... Um, 
HubSpot versus Pardot because the comments that people are making, you know, folks like yourself about why they prefer one platform over another and the different environments is great. So you're inspiring me to make sure that I um, finish that last one in my series, but it's been great, great comments. So you're, you're liking HubSpot and you feel like it's an empowering tool for you yeah. uh, in a small company to, to get going and, and make yeah. a, Make a big impact. I think that's a qualifier, David, is the is small company. So I don't want to disparage Pardot. I've used Pardot in larger organizations, and I think Pardot's a, a solid tool. But when you are in a small environment, typically the person that's in the leadership role for marketing is player coach. You have to roll up your sleeves and get into the dirt just like everyone else. And you don't have the luxury of kind of sitting back and outsourcing everything to different departments. You know, mm -hmm. you're, you're typically on a pretty tight budget. So you want a tool that's going to enable you to accomplish a lot of things with, um, you know, slim, slim resources and optimum efficiencies. So to kind of reiterate, kick butt website, demand, op uh, demand optimized. You want to have a very clear value proposition on your website. I've seen websites where you can spend, you know, two minutes on the homepage and you have no idea what they do. So be very clear about what your value proposition is, very clear call to actions, um, supporting documentation like case studies, validation proof points, all called up really in your face so that the person who's coming to your website, especially if you're a startup, they don't really know who you are. You've driven them there somehow. You want to blow them over in the first 30 seconds that they're there and really validate that they've made the right choice in coming to your website. The next Great. thing is, um, you want to have a strong integrated plan to drive your leads. So, you know, that's inclusive of demand, PR, your digital marketing, your content, your sales, um, inside sales or your LDRs, if you've got that. Um, you want to just ensure that everything that you're doing, every touch point that you're sending out there, that you've got it optimized. So it's coming back to your website and it's driving demand. You need to have a strong lead process. So, what I mean by that is, um, you know, something that's integrated with your marketing operations system. You want to have strong SLAs, so be very, very clear about when a lead comes in the door. How is it being responded to? What is the uh, turnaround time for that lead? Who's responsible for following up on it? What's touch one? What's touch two? You know, then you want to start looking at what those touches are and the longevity of those, and how do you kind of start collapsing that time if possible. You know, mm -hmm. really pay attention to where your prospects are on your website. What does their journey look like? What are they doing when they're on your website? Is there a way that you can, um, you know, pull their experience so that it's not requiring so many clicks? I'll, I'll give you a great example. Uh, recently, we um, at the company that I, I'm, I'm currently with, we had a website where we had had request demo all over the website and it was performing mm -hmm. really, really well. Um, it was right there. It was in front of your face. Everywhere you went on the website was a request demo and it was one of our top lead converters. Then there was um, an idea by a, a leader on the team that we should um, possibly not do request demo, that we should have learned more because you know, the, the, the thought was people are, um, you know, interested in learning more. They're not necessarily interested in just requesting a demo. 
So, you know, as a classic marketer, I was like, all right, well, let's, let's let the data show us. Cause I kind of had a gut feeling that we really should stick with the request demo, but I said, let's, let's look at the data. So what we did was we switched all the calls to action to learn more. And then what we noticed by going in and watching, you know, the experience of prospects on the web is that they would click on learn more. They would click on a, a product page then you would see them kind of looking around the site till they found the request demo button. So mm -hmm. what went from one click turned into like three or four clicks. And we were able to discern that within days and flip it back to request demo. So it's just a little antidote, but. Well, let me, let me guess, I may be wrong, but just tap into experience, both my own and, and consulting with clients over the years, that that request for you to make that change was sales saying, these people aren't really ready to buy or they were having to do lots of demos, but felt like they weren't fully educated or qualified. Like you need to give them another option because now you're passing them to us and you're consuming our time and energy. Was, is that, is that anywhere uh, near? Close? It was, it was similar to that. I, I will say it wasn't sales, but it was, it was someone that's not in marketing. So mm -hmm. it was someone who, um, it was, uh, you know, it doesn't really matter who it was. The point is that it was, you know, it was an observation that I think that, um, the observation was, Hey, when I'm going and I'm looking at things, I, I'm not comfortable clicking request demo right away. So mm -hmm. my, my, I would, I would prefer that my experience was X, Y, Z. Um, my point is that, uh, you know, no harm, no foul. It's okay. Let's just look at the data, you know, and yeah. you want your website to allow you to be able to have that quickly accessible so that you can make those decisions on the fly. And so yeah. back to the HubSpot thing, I think that HubSpot is um, a great tool. We were able to make some really, you know, I was able to go in and say, okay, I'm going to change all these buttons. I'm going to change this messaging. I'm going to do all this like within a half hour. And we were back to where we were, which is great. I uh, want to follow that where, you know, for those of you that are thinking about like, what's that lead bait or what's the right way to engage folks? Um, having, wording the buttons, coloring the buttons, where you place the buttons, all of that matters tremendously. Yeah. And in fact, if you want, uh, I think I've covered this on on some of our YouTube videos where we use um, little parameters, you know, uh, URLs with with variables on the end to capture which thing they clicked on. So like if they clicked on contact us in the primary menu, we know that if they click contact us in the footer, we know that if they submitted certain forms on certain pages, we know that that's where it was. So we're really doing some granular marketing to figure out where people are actually getting to that point of engagement with us. Because when it comes back to website redesign or this subjectivity, you want to eliminate that subjectivity. You, you want to know, you know what, you should have a big gigantic contact us button, not text in the footer of your website if you want to get better engagement. So all that stuff matters. I was going to give you another idea as you take to your new role. And for anyone listening, um, I don't know about you, but I have Nest cameras in my house. I have them all over the house. I have like four of them, uh, one outside, two outside and two inside. And I can get alerts that says there was movement in the backyard or there was movement in the front yard. We all know that those of us have ring doorbells. You can do the same thing on your website when you have a marketing automation system. You can create alerts that certain individuals are looking at certain things. So if someone's looking at your price list page, which is a, 
a digital body language indicator of a level of interest in the buying cycle, why not do some things, especially at a small company where every lead matters, all the engagement managers, set a triggered alert that someone's on the pricing page. And if they're a known visitor, send that information over to sales just so they know because their sales force, their CRM, like it's not alive. It's not constantly showing them, uh, you know, ticker tapes and different things of what's happening on the website. Uh, so there's a lot of ways that you can, you can do things to create that uh, engagement. So very cool that, that um, you know, you're, you're analyzing Letitia, what the right call to action is and engagement. Because as, as you were saying, like when you're in a company, small company, and you're bringing in marketing to make an impact, the way to have sales be your best friend and really great business partner is to start driving inbound yeah. uh, for, for sure. Yeah. Nothing speaks louder than solid inbound leads. To your point, when you were talking about, was it a salesperson who requested that? I think it's also interesting to note that you have to be really careful as well on that request demo page where you then send them to a form my experience with sales has been that they want you to ask 20 questions because they want it to be super qualified when it gets to them. They want to know the company name, the company size, the title of the person. Are they ready to purchase? What is their budget? They want you to ask all of that. You got to push back hard on sales because while all that information is really valuable, you want the rub for the customer or the prospect to be as minimal as possible. There is an opportunity to gather all of that data down the road in multi-touch and um, progressive profiling, but mm -hmm. you just want to give them the opportunity to say, I'm going to raise my hand. I'm super interested in your product. Have somebody reach out to me. There are so many tools today. You can go to LinkedIn. You can, you know, there's tools like, um, you know, in, in my industry right now, there's a, you know, global data, biopharma insight, et cetera, where you can go in and you can get insight on somebody before you call them to help you further uh, qualify that opportunity without wow. creating a lot of rub for the prospect on your website. Nice. What other tips? What are What's in Letitia's playbook? So, you know, the last thing I've got, so we talked about SLAs, which um, really, really important. And that's just, you know, a solid handshake with sales. And then the last thing I would propose is um, probably one of the most important things is that you need to have a solid dashboard. So you need to have a solid marketing dashboard that you are looking at with your leadership team, you're looking at with the sales organization, you are looking at as a marketing leader to really understand the state of your business. You're mm -hmm. always gonna be on call to provide metrics. You know, any organization, all organizations, but especially startups, you know, you're very reliant on the movement of your customer base from a, you know, day-to-day -day perspective. And so you want to have all that data at your avail and you want to be able to make adjustments quickly based on that data. So you need to have a tight dashboard. Um, and again, tools like HubSpot, Pardot, they provide really, really good dashboards, solid integration with your CRM, um, allows you to have all of that. And then you partner with sales to ensure that the metrics that you're tracking, you don't want to just track metrics for metrics sake. You want to ensure that the metrics that you're tracking are relevant and actionable and applicable across the team. So what you're looking at is going to be very different than what the sales leader is looking at. It will be different than what your CEO is looking at, but you want to ensure that each metric plays a role. And it's yeah. not just like, hey, you know, I can track this because I can track it, but it's not adding any value to the business.
I remember now, and I typed in my Windows search box, Viva, and I found the PowerPoint deck from March 22nd, 2017, uh, because you you were wanting to do this. You wanted to paint a vision. It was a team offsite that you had in Pleasanton, and you said, Dave, can you come down and give these guys an overview of marketing performance. And so yeah. there's the deck right there. And I did, I showed the waterfall type of dashboards. I talked about the three different categories of metrics, the real tactical metrics, getting all the way up to that CMO dashboard. And um, we're doing some work for Medallia right now. And I just saw the dashboards that Gaia on our team built for them. She did all the wireframes and created all the dashboards. Like here's future state and they just look amazing. And That's so now all the low work uh, starts to actually operationalize that. But we start with the end in mind. We create the dashboard uh, so that like, if you had this, is it understandable? Is it digestible? Is, is it providing you the insights, not only to you marketing, but to the C-suite? And so we start there and then we reverse engineer what that looks like with the data and, and tools. It's very cool. You, you took me back to that time at Viva. Yeah. And I remember Leticia, like, let's be honest, you were in an environment at that point where marketing wasn't quite there yet in terms of its, its um, ability to to drive revenue and report on it and that type of stuff. So good for you to say, you know, let's let's bring in some outside expertise to help us um, on our on our journey. The company has been incredibly successful. So you left your mark. They had part out there, right? If as I remember, yeah, yeah, part out, we're yeah. using part out, yeah, yeah. I mean, one of the things I've learned over the years, like different marketing automation systems matter, but it's the leadership that matters most. It's what you do with what the you tool. do with it. Yeah, you know, I'll point out, Dave. You remind me that um, at that session that you did for us, you also so um, kindly gave us everyone a copy of your book. And from that point on, cause I loved that book. I use it. It sits on my desk. I refer to it a lot. Yeah. I um, had every new person that joined my team read the book. And as I've left, when I left Viva and I went to my new team, every person on the team, I gave them a copy of the book and said, you got to read this. You have to understand, you know, kind of the basics of, you know, marketing operations and what it means to the business. And I think that book does a really good job of, of pulling that together. So, so FYI, if I you've seen, you seen a spike in sales, well, <laughs> more books you know with me. <laughs> let's, let's hit that. I like, you can buy the book on Amazon yep. and I want just everybody to know, I never see like a dime of that. Like the publisher, you know, gets the majority, but I could care less. I'm on the New York times best giver list. If anybody listening wants the book. Um, the fastest way for you to get it is to go to demandgen.com, go into the resources area and look for manufacturing demand. That's the name of the book. And you can download it immediately. I, there's a form. So you're going to become, you know, in our database, but we never give our data away. I think there's a form. I don't know. But if you want a physical copy of the book, watch this, Leticia, if you want a physical copy of the book, reach out to me. And, and you probably think like, Dave, you're going to have to mail so many books. A lot of people don't get physical books anymore. They read the digital. But if you guys want one and you listen to this episode, drop me a note and we have a whole closet full here at the office. And I got to tell you, like, I'm, I'm plugging the book because you plugged the book. It has changed people's careers. It has changed people's lives. And I just recently did some posts with the team from um, uh, Tessian. They have a book club in their marketing department and they just read my book and they sent me a picture of their readouts, their PowerPoints of what uh, I think they were looking at like chapter four. And candidly, Leticia, I got a little tear in my eye because mm -hmm. I'm like, you pour your heart and soul into a book and write it and hope that it's going to make a difference. And when you see it, it's like, it's so 
rewarding and to hear yeah. you say that. So I hope it can help other people, whether you're in a large, you know, some of the things that you shared, SLA, service level agreements, scoring, nurturing, the demand funnel. I cover these in great depth and I hope I wrote it in a way that it's engaging and, yeah. and, and, and informative. Uh, I have my next book sitting on my hard drive. Um, it's a third of the way done. I don't think I'll ever finish it, but it's a fictional book. It's it's about the stories. It's like a tapestry of stories from all the client work over 13 plus years in a fiction book, but it's just been a hard book to write. And I really enjoyed this, what you and I are doing um, as a way to get lessons. So thank yeah. you for, for sharing that. Um, one, one last question for you. Uh, when you, how do you know when you're being successful is the question. When sales, is happy. <laughs> when sales is happy, you're being successful. I mean, that's my knee jerk reaction. Yeah. I, I, I would say that, you know, from a business perspective, when the sales team is coming to you and saying, right on, thank you. This is great. Then, then you're being successful personally. When I, you know, from I, I'm being successful, you know, I, I'm, um, I'm a strong believer in, you know, um, teams that work really, really well together, having a mm -hmm. strong team. Uh, you know, I've, I've seen organizations where if the team doesn't work, it doesn't matter how optimized you've got um, the resources. If the team doesn't genuinely have a passion for what they're doing and want you to be successful and want your company to be successful, then you're just not going to get you're not going to get success out of that. I've seen it implode and I've also seen it work very, very well. And, and I would like to count myself as one of those leaders who um, really, really pays a ton of attention to the, the climate of our team and ensuring that we are all in this for the right reasons and we're passionate about what we're doing. This is our, yeah. you know, I often say this to people, especially younger team members that are coming in, this is our career. This is not a job. You know, working a cashier at McDonald's is a job. Working in marketing is your career. So be passionate about it. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, like who you work with, you know, want them to be successful, be a strong team player, and um, success will come to you. Great advice. Great, great advice. If you want to hear more, because uh, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, uh, Jim Bell, we talked about, you know, Letitia and Jim work together side by side. Uh, Jim is episode number 182. And the title is leadership lessons from a team focused CMO. So it shouldn't sound any surprise that both Jim and Leticia really big on a team centered culture around trust and communication. So go listen to uh, episode 182. Well, I am excited for you for your new venture, which uh, again, as I said earlier, connect with Leticia. One of the things I love about the demand gen radio community um, is is networking you all together so you can talk to one another. And I've had a lot of conversations recently with Leticia where people have just done that. They have gone out, connected with folks like you, um, talked about maybe they're interviewing or talked about some of the uh, projects that they're working on and share ideas with one another because none of us are smarter than all of us. It's really, really great. So I encourage you to connect with Leticia. Uh, have a good time at Carlsbad. Say hi to my in-laws who are down there. Not that you'll run into them because they are, they are in lockdown. Those guys like do not leave the house right now during the, the pandemic. They are staying safe inside, but it's beautiful down there in Carlsbad. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Great weather. Well, thanks for inviting me, David. This is fun.
Yeah, yeah. It's nice not to have any slides and share your great advice, but I have loved seeing you guys up on stage uh, winning those awards. Um, just for everybody listening, I already talked about connecting. Uh, if you want a copy of the book, you can go download it immediately right now off demandgen.com. And then the other thing I say is like, if any of you want to dive into some of these topics deeper, like lead scoring or lead nurturing, or learn about the D3 methodology we released, um, feel free to, to reach out. I mean, Carlos on my team is our chief strategy officer. He loves doing little uh, kind of on-demand workshops for folks that reach out and just teaching you guys. Because we know if we teach you and you learn, uh, we're going to advance your careers. And that, that ties to our mission. And if you're someone like Leticia at some point, maybe you'll engage my team to help you on your journey. It all works out. Well, that is going to do it for this episode uh, of Dimension Radio. Thanks, you guys, for always tuning in. I mentioned a little while ago uh, about videos. So demandgen.tv is the fastest way to get to our YouTube channel. What is on the YouTube channel is uh, show and tell. So we, we dive into marketing automation, CRM, and do show and tell of how DemandGen does DemandGen, as well as showcase some other MarTech and sales tech technologies so that you can see some demos of these tools. And we are launching uh, or launched the Demand Genius channel, which is a playlist uh, on our YouTube um, of our solution architects and other folks showing how they do things that they do. And there was a really cool video that we just put up the other day showing how to build a virtual collateral rack. So a lot of you are doing uh, virtual events right now. And so there was a recipe of how you can create a landing page where people can select a whole bunch of different content uh, without filling out multiple forms and have that email to them. So it's some very cool stuff that we're doing. Go check it out. That's going to do it. We'll catch you guys on the next episode. Take care. You've been listening to Demand Gen Radio, bringing you the top industry experts, thought leaders, authors, marketing technology firms, and senior marketing leaders from around the world to teach you the methods and technologies for high-performance marketing.